Ready for another episode of Mr. Stillman's Opus. I am Ben George alongside the man, John Stillman. John, what's new with you, man? What's happening? Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Anything new in your office or in your life? No, we're just trying to adjust to your vibrant personality <laughs> around the office still. I am like a beacon in this office, right? Yeah. Sure. I'll take that, though. I appreciate the compliment, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's been fun so far and glad to be on this show with you again for another episode of Mr. Stillman's Opus. And I like the topic today because we can all relate. Every single one of us can relate with that junk drawer in your house. And we're calling this one the financial junk drawer. Just think about that junk drawer you have that you throw everything in. I'm talking paper clips. You know, the when you when you untie the bread, you grab that tie yeah. off the bread and throw it in there. And then we actually you, have three junk drawers, I think. Dude, that's yeah. that's a little too much. That's yeah. obsessive. Uh, because I can't ever find that stuff when I need it anyway. Yeah. I never once pull anything out of there. Well, so what what's typically in your junk drawer? Uh, batteries. Yep. Which you know don't use a whole lot of anymore. Rubber bands. Rubber bands. Uh, paper clips. Uh, wine stoppers. Probably some coupons are mixed in there somewhere. Yeah, that expired. And right. Probably 1997. Yeah, even further back. <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff that's not really of use um, anymore, but maybe could be repurposed or put somewhere else, and we could get some value out of it. And that's the idea. So we're going to look at a bunch of different financial products or investments that you might have made throughout your life that you've just kind of sat on and haven't done anything with. And uh, we'll see if we can make some sense out of them and figure out how to put them to better use. Uh, so before we get into this one, let me remind you about John. He's president and founder of Rosewood Wealth Management. You can find him online at rosewoodwealthmanagement.com. Also on Facebook as well. Or you can call him, 800-545-2991. He also texts too. He's, he's a millennial, so he takes care of that. Yeah, am well. I? I'm right on the border. Yeah, I don't like to believe. I, I, don't, like. I don't claim to be a millennial, although technically I think I am. You were born in 80 81. What? 81. So you're, and that's you're, the cutoff. You're probably, yeah, like you could easily be the youngest of the Generation yeah. Xers. And I'm probably the oldest of the millennials. I was born in 83. So Molly argues with me about this all the time because she's convinced that she's not a millennial. I'm like, no, no, you were born in 85. You definitely are. I don't yeah. care which demographer you ask. 85, <laughs> you are among the older millennials. I don't relate. Like, if you look at the younger millennials that are, I think it goes to 96. Yeah. Do you have anything in common with somebody Not born in, in the mid-90s? Well, and, and here's what Molly points out, is that there is a very distinct difference between people who have always known life with the internet right. versus those of us who knew a time without the internet. I remember the first time I ever used the internet was in middle school, and my French teacher wanted me to check the weather in Paris. <laughs> and so... I sat there in front of the computer and watched as this map slowly opened up and I could see the radar for the weather in Paris. And that was in it probably blew your mind seventh too, grade. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can think back to floppy disks, popping them in to play games and having to type in some code to and actually to fire them up. So, so there's, yeah, there's some a difference sort of in that. Interpersonal skills that exist with those of us that lived before that time. We're more evolved. It's different from right? the younger millennials. Yeah, yeah, I guess we are. Exactly. All right, well, let's get into today's topic, financial junk drawer. And I'm going to throw out uh, a number of products to you that um, have been kind of left behind, hadn't really been thought about for a while. And let's try to repurpose these into something that might be useful for somebody. So let's start off with a really old life insurance policy. Yeah, so a lot of times we'll see people who have these whole life policies that they bought years ago, maybe when they were young and in their 20s and just getting started in the working world. In some cases, it's something that their parents took out on them when they were born. 
and just wanted to establish some sort of life insurance policy on them. So we see it a lot where you have a policy that you've had for years and you've been faithfully paying on it for 10 or 20 or 35 years. And in some cases, you've built up a nice little cash value in there. And it might be smart to use that cash value for something else, whether it's paying off debt or just investing it in a different way. Maybe you don't need that particular life insurance policy anymore and the cash value could be more valuable. It could be that we'd be better off to take that cash value and move it to a new life insurance policy because unlike everything else in the world, which has gotten more expensive, life insurance has actually gotten cheaper. Okay. So let's explore the actuarial table reason for that. (laughs) So you just said you were born in... 1981. So your life expectancy, you're, oh you're expected Don't, to live okay. until the early 80s, your, your early 80s. Okay. Now, if you'd, if you'd been born 30 years earlier, in 1951, your life expectancy would be early 70s. And so because life expectancies have gotten longer, life insurance has gotten cheaper because... Life insurance companies can now collect payments from you for more years Got it. before you die, and they have to pay out that death benefit. Okay. So as life expectancies increase, life insurance actually gets cheaper. So you could very likely, let's say on that old policy that you bought in the 80s, you have a $100,000 death benefit. Well, you could probably get that same $100,000 death benefit in a newer policy much, much cheaper than what you're currently paying. And so sense. it's definitely worth looking at those old policies and seeing if a, it's worth doing anything with the cash value that would be more efficient. Or if there's not much of a cash value there, can we just get the same death benefit, the same coverage more cheaply somewhere else? Or maybe you've just outgrown that policy. Maybe your kids are grown and gone, your house is paid off, and you don't really need it for life insurance anymore. Maybe you just scrap it all together and stop paying on it. So there's definitely a lot of things to look at on that. Makes a lot of sense. All right. What about an outdated will, will or an estate plan? Uh, this seems like something you should be evaluating fairly often anyway, but uh, if you haven't looked at this in a while, what should we do with that outdated will? Well, so it could be outdated for one of two reasons. It could be because circumstances have changed in your life. Like as an example, I know people who had a will done when they had two kids and thought they were done having kids. Years later, they have the oopsie third child (laughs) and never occurs to them until many years later. Oh, you know what? We need to update our will to include all three kids instead of just two. So that can be one thing. It could go the other way where you're not wanting to add people to the will. You're wanting to take people (laughs) out. So I know a client who has three kids. She's got all three in the will that they made years ago. Her husband has since passed away and she's not on great terms with one of her daughters and doesn't really want that daughter still in the will. There will be some things that that daughter is a beneficiary on just so she gets something, but she doesn't want her estate split equally between three kids. She wants one of them to only get a little bit. So she needed to update her will because circumstances had changed. Sometimes it's just that you've moved. I have people who have a will that they got drafted when they lived in Ohio. And the laws are different in Ohio than they are here. You need to have a will drafted that reflects the fact that you live in North Carolina. Same thing if you move from a, a state like New Jersey or New York or Pennsylvania, where the state itself has an estate tax. We don't have an estate tax in North Carolina. 
you only have the federal estate tax to worry about. And that's only if you have like a $12 million or more estate. Most people aren't ever going to deal with an estate yeah. tax. But if you move from New Jersey, where there is an estate tax in the state as well as at the federal level, well, then your will probably needs to be changed to reflect the fact that you live here now. So a lot of reasons you might want to update that will that you haven't looked at in, in some cases, decades. Makes sense. We're going through the financial junk drawer with John Stillman. Uh, next up is a Social Security estimate that maybe you originally received during the Clinton administration. Yeah. Is that outdated? So it's funny. A lot of people will bring in their Social Security statements that they have from years and years <laughs> ago and want me to look at it and say if I think it's still accurate. Well, your income has probably increased a lot Hopefully. since 1994. So that's probably had an effect on your Social Security benefit. Yeah, let's look at a more updated statement. Now, what has happened with this is that the Social Security Administration has basically stopped sending these out. You used to get one every year. Now, and I can't even figure out the rhyme or reason behind it, because some people do actually still get one in the mail. Most people don't, though. So it's not like they've, they've stopped it across the board. Yeah, It's just that they've mostly stopped it, but for some reason, a few people are still on the list and get one. You can still get your statement. What you do is you go on the Social Security website, which is ssa.gov slash my account. ssa.gov slash my account. You can set up an account. Now, they'll ask you all the security questions so that you can prove that you're you. And some of them are pretty tricky, like... You know, what make and model car was parked in your driveway for 45 minutes in August of 1998. <laughs> I've seen those. But you have to get all those right, and then you can get your new statement. It's the same statement they would have mailed you. It's just that you get it online, and you can get updated numbers that reflect what your current benefits look like, which is very helpful and crucial in the retirement planning process. So we don't want to be trying to construct your income plan based on a statement that you got 10, 15, 20 years ago. And you can find, we'll, we'll put that uh, that website in the show notes so you can track down your Social Security estimate. And you can find that at rosewoodwealthmanagement.com. We'll put it there for you. Leave it there so you can track it down. All right. Uh, next up would be a 401k statement from your last three employer, employers that is just sitting in that financial junk drawer. Yeah. So generally, rule of thumb is... When you leave a company, you want to take your 401k with you. Don't leave your money behind. And way too often, we see people that have left a job and they just kind of leave their 401k over there, not really paying much attention to it. Now, in some cases, they're still making adjustments to it. But in a lot of cases, they just kind of forget about it altogether. I've had actually three different cases where people left a job years ago in the 80s or 90s left a 401k behind, stopped getting statements for that account along the way, and years go by, they forget they even had it. So I've had three different people on the verge of retirement who, as we're going through the inventory and thinking about all their assets, have suddenly realized, wait, you know what? I have an account from company X from years and years ago, although it wasn't much, it was only about $25,000. Okay, well, that was 30 years ago. <laughs> so we check it now and it's 150000 once yeah. we track it down. And this is $150,000 of found money. So now obviously it's nice to get that surprise, but 
probably could have had a lot more in that account if you'd had it and been paying attention to it and managing it over the years. That's one reason to not leave it behind because you don't want to forget about it. And a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to forget about an account I have. Okay, well, still, you're better to roll that money to an IRA where you have more flexibility and control over your assets instead of just that menu of 13 mutual funds that they give you at work. You move that money to an IRA and you can invest in whatever you want. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, what have you. So just gives you a lot more flexibility and control. Well, speaking personally, I mean, I know it's easy to forget about that stuff because not that I have a, an account of, you know, significant amount that I have forgotten about, but you don't get into them a lot. And if you don't have an advisor that you're checking up with and kind of refreshing your plan, it's easy to forget about that if you're not making changes. I mean, that's something that I've had to deal with. Like, let's get in this sort of often and, and just see where we are and make adjustments if we need to. But the one thing I have learned from this new job, John, is I have rolled over an no. old 401k into an IRA. Good I have made that move since I've gotten I'm here. really proud of you. Yeah. I've, that's the one thing I picked up so far. Now I just got to make the adjustments inside the account. <laughs> yeah. But I've, well, made, I've taken the first step. One thing at a time. Right. Exactly. One thing. The cool thing was when I rolled it over, I had forgotten that some of that money was Roth 401k money. So it moved mm -hmm. into my Roth art. And then I was, I was feeling pretty good about that. Yeah tax-free money coming that's, up. That's where you want to be. That's where you want to be. So yeah, it's got to take it one step at a time. And I'm trying to do that. I've done that here in this job. The one step you can take towards clearing out your financial junk drawer, which is, is important for all of us, as we've learned today, is to contact John Stillman. You can do it by call or, uh, by phone or text 800-545-2991. You can catch him online at rosewoodwealthmanagement.com. His team is ready to help you out. Answer that call and uh, set up a time to come in and just see him and, and speak with him about some of these items because they are important and they can be repurposed and put you in a better position toward your retirement. So, John, thanks for helping us clean it out, man. Hopefully we will get organized moving Do, forward. Doing our best to keep it straightened out. That'll do it for this episode of Mr. Stillman's Opus. We will talk to you next time. Carolina Wealth Stewards doing business as Rosewood Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor in the state of North Carolina. The material presented is intended to be general information and should not be construed by any consumer as the rendering of personalized investment advice.